Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. Good morning, church. Morning. Good, y'all, y'all talk back to me, I like that. Let me look, get this up. I know I'm short, but I ain't this short. All right. Awesome. Uh, well, uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Pastor Richard. I'm usually at the Independent Campus, and it is a joy to be before you all uh, this morning. And so um, we are inside the Ten Commandments series, and so um, if anyone is familiar with the Ten Commandments, uh, we have titled this series, Ten Ways to Be Perfect. And you're probably wondering, why in the world did y'all name a series about perfection? I thought that as Christians, we aren't perfect, but here's the good news about this series and what we're trying to hope at is that in Christ, he is perfect. And the Ten Commandments is meant to expose of us our imperfection and show us the goodness of Christ, what he has done for us. And they're meant to show us how to love God and how to love one another. And so with that in mind, uh, will you uh, pray with me? Uh, Father, uh, we are... Grateful to be before you. Holy Spirit, will you work in me? Will you work through me? I ask that your word would penetrate all of our hearts, even mine, as 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 I wrestled through this text this week. You have convicted me in ways that I didn't know that were inside my heart. So we're thankful that your word does that, how it convicts, but it also restores so I ask that restoration will happen in all of our hearts this morning as you expose us and show us the goodness. So Jesus, we're thankful for your death and your resurrection, and we love you. In Christ's name, we all say, amen. amen, amen. So this week, I am covering the Eighth um, Commandment. Pastor Spence is going to cover the Seventh Commandment in two weeks. And so, yeah. So um, I used to work at this car dealership. Um, with this man named Johnny Williams. Before I tell you more into the story, let me tell a little bit about about Johnny. Uh, Johnny was this simple, old-school, West Texas, thick-accent man. He he was just just simple and just just thought about life in that that way. And so one day as I was walking into work, um, I noticed that Johnny was mopping um, the floor. But he didn't have a mop bucket. He didn't have any cleaner. Then I saw a trail of water from the bathroom to his mop. And, and I stood there, and I said to myself, self? And myself said, hmm? This man is, is mopping the floor with toilet water. Like, this, this is the type of dude that I work for. He just thought that if he scrubbed the toilet bowl, that 
the water was clean, and so therefore he can use it as toilet water. And so there's many a stories like that about Johnny. This is the type of man that I, I, I work for. And so um, if anyone is familiar with the car dealership world, um, we, work, uh, we worked long hours. I worked from 9 um, a.m. to 7 uh, p.m., and one day I decided to leave uh, work early because all the salesmen had went home, all the, all the workers had went home, and so I decided to leave work early because there was nothing else going on at 6.45 um, p.m. And by the time I got back to my house at 7.05 p.m., I got a phone call from, from Johnny. He says, uh, Rashard, where are you? And with no hesitation, I said, hey, man, I, I'm at home. Like, I'm about to kick off my shoes and relax my feet. And he says, um, I realize that because you aren't here. And I'm like, yeah, because I went home. And he's like, you left work early. He says, Richard, you left work early. And then he just went off about 10 minutes and told me about myself, which was fun, right? Uh, and, and then he proceeded to say, since you left work 15 minutes early, you owe me 15 minutes. And I was like, all right. He says, get yourself back in the car. He didn't say it that, that nicely, but... I'm, I'm before God's people. Uh, and he says, get, get yourself back into, into the car, drive up here, and you owe me 15 minutes. So you're probably wondering, why in the world are you talking about this? Well, the reality is, is that I stole 15 minutes from my work. A commandment is about stealing. And so for many of us, even like myself, I had a simple view of stealing. I thought if I wasn't stealing a car or stealing money or taking property, then I was inside the clear. But as we look at the Eighth Commandment, it's going to expose us that stealing is taking property, but it's much more than that. For many of us, we treat stealing so simply. We, to not steal, we think that it's bad. We treat it as a behavior that needs guardrails. We treat it as something that needs to be inbound. And we treat it as a negative consequence. So we just avoid not taking things. But as we look at the Ten Commandments, Jesus is going to expose our religious way of looking at the Ten Commandments. Uh, it's going to expose us from just saying, do not do this. Sorry, y'all. I got that beard. Can you hear me now? All right. Um, it's, it's going to expose us from not doing this to showing us so much more than that. Our motivation from not stealing is going to be moved from not taking something because we think that is wrong, but it's going to expose us that we don't steal because our true treasure is in Christ. Treasure in Christ will allow us to value, thing, value him over other things. When Christ is our value, the Eighth Commandment moves our motivation from refraining from taking things to living sufficiently and giving generously. So that's what we're going to see today. So if you, if you could, um, open your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. I'm going to give you all some time to get there. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right, y'all, y'all quick. Uh, all right, so let's read this together. Exodus 20, verse 15. Let's read it together. One, two, three. You shall not steal. Wow. Man, y'all are, y'all are excellent. So y'all should all join the choir. So in this commandment, 
the scripture is addressing a few things. It's addressing our money. It's addressing our, our um, possessions and how that we um, acquire of them. And so this commandment explicitly f- um, forbids um, um, theft and robbery, basically taking things that don't belong to you, but it also includes the unlawful taking of people or kidnapping. There's much to be said here about this because there's a word for this, and it's called slavery. Now, the Bible doesn't condemn all forms of slavery, but it does condemn the slavery that involves the unlawful taking of people. We see this with the people of Israel, that how Pharaoh came and took them and enslaved them and treated them them poorly. That's unlawful taking of people. You see this again inside our own country with the United States to where we took people from Africa, my people, and enslaved them. That is unlawful. That is unholy. And that is against God's design. In fact, God opposes that so much. He says inside Exodus 21, 16, he says, whoever steals a man and sells him, anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. So God opposes it. He's not for the stealing of taking people. For Israel, stealing involved uh, moving boundary markers back so therefore they can get more, more land. It involves the use of false measures and balances for goods. Um, they're stealing also involved the selling of inferior goods and also excess charging of interest on certain, certain things. So therefore, the principle of the Eighth Commandment is this. You should not steal. It is this. It is taking what is yours, but it also is keeping what is not yours. Stealing can be seen in ways of blind competitiveness, jealousy, greed. It is accompanied by depression and, I mean, by deception and oppression. We see all of these forms inside the Old Testament. So I just want to camp out at a few of them. So um, if we look at deception, we see this inside um, Judges. We were in this book um, a few months ago. Judges is a book that's about a cycle of sin and deception. And in Judges 17, we see the story of Micah and his mother. Uh, Micah stole 1,100 shekels of of silver from his mother, which in our time is a life Long, um, uh, a lifelong time of retirement. So he stole that from his, his mother, and his mother, like any of us would, would she, she was hot, she, she was mad, uh, because her son, her own blood, took her money. And so, with her having that power inside the Old Testament, whenever something bad would happen, um, they would curse one another. And so she started to, like, put all these curses on Micah. Micah felt guilty about that, that curse. Uh, and, and so, therefore, he returned um, the money. And, and so then he returned the money, money to his mother. And his mother said, hey, I know you returned this to me, but let's go. Uh, could you go take this money and make an idol? Make an idol for us. You're probably wondering, what, how is this? deception. Well, here's the the deal. Micah's mother promised to God if if Micah would return the money to her, he would give the money. She would give the money to the Lord. But she she didn't. All All she wanted was the money back. And Micah's mother coveted this money. And she literally took, for the coveting of money, she took that and made a literal God out of it. A literal God. That's what happens. When stealing happens, secession happens. And it goes on and on and on. And what happens is that, that it becomes our God. 
money becomes our God. Our possessions becomes our God. And, and so another example is inside, um, um, again, in Exodus 14, I mean, Exodus chapter 1, 1 through 14, uh, we see era, um, Pharaoh. Pharaoh oppressed God's people. He beat them. He mistreated them. He treated them absolutely poorly. But God wanted freedom for his people. And so that's where we land um, inside the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments is God's literal, his literal answer to the oppression and stealing of his people. By At Mount Sinai, he gave them his Ten Commandments, and, and he told them, man, I don't want y'all just to have physical freedom. I want you to have um, spiritual freedom as well. And so, therefore, the, the commandments was God showing his people how that they are to love him and how that they are to love one another. So you're probably wondering, so what is the purpose of this commandment? So, as I said before, the commandment is, is taking what is not yours, but also is keeping what is not yours. So this commandment warns against taking advantage of a brother and sister in need. It stands against exploitation, exploitation of the weak. It is a God for all social and economic action in restraint. God's design is for every man to have human dignity um, to, um, for every person. And he wanted to bring, he wanted us to take the generosity he has given us to give that to others. That is called stewardship. He wants people to take what he has given them to use their possessions, to use their property, to bless others. This was God's kingdom ethic. He wanted us to move, move um, from, from thievery to blessings. This was his, his intention. In fact, in Genesis 1, at the very beginning of the Bible, he, he told Adam and Eve um, that they were going to be fruitful and multiply and to subdue the earth. Then again, he told Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, he says, hey, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and your descendants. And from that blessing, I want you to be a blessing. So blessing, giving, taking, I'm giving what is yours to give to others was God's design and that's what it was he wanted for Israel and that's what he wants for you. Like I said it before, many of us have religious ways that how we look at stealing. We only see stealing as not taking something, but it's much more than that. So I've laid out some examples of how we steal. We, we can steal by ordering a water cup at a restaurant and filling it with, with some lemonade or, or some Sprite. <laughs> You're guilty and you need to repent. <laughs> it is arriving to work late and leaving work early. It is spending time on Facebook and social media while you're working at home. It is spending all day listening to an audiobook or a sermon while at work and you're getting nothing done. In fact, it is shown that Americans waste about two hours a day at work, and it's due to them just walking around, doing nothing, standing at the water cooler. It is sneaky snacks into a movie theater or going to see two movies for the price of one. There's some of us in the room. It is using your student ID whenever you're no longer a student. It is not paying your employees well. It's not paying your taxes. It is overcharging people of, of things for a service. It is refusing a tip for service. So some of us have, have some stuff to work through here. We think because we receive bad service 
We shouldn't give people tips. But you haven't thought about um, stealing again. It's, it's keeping what is not yours, right? This person is living on these tips, trying to care for their family. And you, because you want to feel justified, keep that money for yourselves, and therefore you're robbing them from them feeding their, their family. That's not the generosity Jesus has given you. Jesus didn't say, hey, because of your sin, I'm going to torture you with your sin. He says, you know what? I'm actually going to torture myself. I took your sin for you, and I gave you my life for you. And so for us not to tip well is a response to how we really see the gospel. The gospel changes us to live generously in everything. It is a debt unpaid. Now, I'm not telling you guys just to go get, on, get in debt or anything like that. There's a smart way to handle debt, but some of us have debt and we haven't paid it. Stealing also is ruining someone's reputation by gossiping about them because you're stealing their dignity and you're stealing their reputation. Stealing is sex trafficking. It is kidnapping. It's it's getting involved in redlining and gentrification. It's taking advantage of people. It's taking advantage of folks by getting involved in laws that prey on the disadvantaged. Then lastly, this one may hurt, stealing. A lot of us steal by robbing God, by not giving of our tithe and offering, giving to God's mission, and serving in God's mission. Malachi 3.8 says this. He says, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed um, robbed you? Then God says, In your tithe and contribution. Just going to camp out here. It's not to give back to the church and tithe and offering. It's not to give, is not giving to your church and tithe and offering. It points, I mean, in your time and talents, it points to one fundamental thing. The fundamental misunderstanding, what is yours and what is God's. Jesus calls us to go to give above and beyond. We're not bound to this law now in the Old Testament because Jesus is our standard and he exceeded the expectations of the Old Testament. He exceeded them. So the good news is this, y'all. That whenever you tithe, whenever you, whenever you serve, whenever you give yourself to the mission of God, is it, it moves you from just clinging on to your, your possession. The reason why some of us in this room struggle to see fruit in our, in our lives, because our, our heart is so gripped to our money, it's gripped to our time, it is gripped to our possessions. God set up tithing to release you from the grip of your possessions. So you can see that he is your true, true treasure, and your treasure is not in your bank account. It's not in your bank account. It's not in what you own. What you own, your treasure, is in Jesus Christ. So why is stealing a big deal? As I said before, we don't steal because our true treasure is in Christ. The, the temptation to steal flows from one thing and one thing only that you're trying to store up treasures for yourself. So you take from others and you keep from others. And here's why this is a big deal. Number one, when you steal from someone, you violate 
um, more than the property, you violate their soul and you violate your soul. If you haven't been, if you've ever been stolen from before, that is a discomforting feeling, right? Th- those who own, own businesses, whenever an employee leaves work early or takes some office supplies, it is infuriating. It is, it is, it is a feeling that makes you just feel just, just dirty. Stealing robs, stealing robs the person. It, it makes, it, 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 it is just a violating thing. It victim, it, and you rob their, their soul. But, but most of us here, we're not here, we're not stealing houses, we're not stealing cars and all that. If you, if you, if you have done that, there's grace for you. Jesus loves you. But most of us, we participate in all, all the subtle ways of stealing, as I mentioned before, like taking music online or dishonesty um, at, at a cash register when when the checker may have undercharged you. With that in mind, you're ignoring God's spirit in your soul. You're robbing yourself of God's voice. You're deadening him from speaking to you by ignoring God's spirit. You're stealing from yourself the goodness of God. And what happens is when you, when you suddenly ignore all of these small things, you start ignoring the big things, and all of a sudden you find yourself in a world full of hurt. You're thinking in the subtlest way of stealing that you're gaining somehow. Just a few dollars here, a few dollars here, um, there. And what happens in the whole thing is that your soul loses in this whole thing while you think you're, you're gaining. You're gaining possessions but your soul is losing in this whole thing. Number two, stealing is deceiving and it blinds you. Hopefully by now, most of us realize that we have all stolen at some some point, right? But it is deceiving. For most of us, and this is where I'm at, because you work for something, uh, that means you have permission to hold on to your possessions. You say things like, you say things like, I worked for this, so I have the right to keep this for myself. Um, I remember whenever I, I, was, I was a kid, I used to go mow, mow some yards and, you know, I babysit and do stuff to go um, earn some money. And when you're a, a young kid, having some dollars in your pocket just gets, gets get the pocket burning, right? And so you feel like you got to go buy something. And, and so I would go down to, to the candy store. Uh, in, in the hood, we literally had a candy store across. It was inside someone's house. Uh, and, and, and so... Um, I'm not sure they were paying taxes, uh, but, but I, I would go to the, to, to, the, to the candy store, and I'll go buy me some, some hot Cheetos, and, and, and y'all don't, don't, don't dog on that, uh, and, and, and so I would go get some hot Cheetos, and I'll come back to, to the house, and my mom just, she's going to dump her hand into my, my Cheetos, and, and just, just start, start munching on them, and, and then now I say, hold on up, hold up. What you doing eating my Cheetos, putting your hand inside my bag, something that I work for? And as any black mama, if anyone grew up in a black house, you know, you know what the next thing that they'll said. My mom put her hand on her hip and said, boy, everything in this house belongs to me. The clothes you got on belongs to me. The shoes you got on belongs to me. Shoot, the lawnmower you, you use the most in his yard belongs to me. And that's how most of us treat God. We think we work for something. 
and we tell God, I'll, I'll work for this. God, get your hand out of my bank account. This is mine. There's a word for that, and the word is called greed. Greed deceives us, and it blinds us. We forget that everything, everything belongs um, to God. Tim Keller says, says it like this. No one thinks that they are greedy. As a pastor, I had people come to me to confess that they struggle with almost every kind of sin. Almost. I cannot recall anyone ever coming to me saying, I spend too much money on myself. I think my greedy lust for money is harming my family, my soul, and people around me. He concludes, says, greed hides itself from the victim. I mean, greed is tricky. You can be full of greed by spending money all the time, but also you can be full of greed by saving money all the time. It does not warn us. And the only way for us to run from greed is by participating in generosity. Lastly, it robs you of joy. Stealing is a big deal because it robs you of joy. It reveals your discontentment and dissatisfaction inside of your hearts. So when we take from people or we hoard things for ourselves, it actually reveals our real satisfaction. Our satisfaction is in, is in our money, is in, is in what we can con- control. Our worth is in what we have or what we don't have. So we spend all of our time inside con- consumption hoping that it would bring us some sort of joy. So we work all the time. Do all of these things to bring us joy. And your heart is being, being robbed, robbed of joy. But here's, here's the thing. When you do those things, your, your sin will keep begging for more and more and more. Because sin was never meant to satisfy. Only the cross of Jesus. That's how people end up on, on the news. Bernie Madoff. You aren't too, too far from that. You aren't too far See, the antidote to stealing is found inside Philippians 4.19. It says, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Christ is your inheritance. He is, what, he is your true treasure. This is good, good news. When God, God supplied your need in Jesus and how he, he did that was by his death on the cross. Let's look at Philippians 2, 5 through 11. And it's, and it's gonna explain to us what this looks like. It, it says, have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he entered himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father." Verse 5 says, have this mind among you. That's to think 
on Jesus. Jesus. Jesus did nothing out of selfish ambition. He was God. Jesus was God, still is God. He left heaven with all his riches, with all of his glory, with all of his treasure. He, he forsaked all of that to make you his treasure. God gave us Jesus so we can give ourselves to others into him. God made Christ our inheritance so we can live free from clinging to our possessions. Keller comments on this. He says, Jesus gave us our, Jesus gave up all his treasures in heaven in order to make you his treasure. For you are a treasured people. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. When you see him dying to make you his treasure, money will cease to be the currency of your significance and insecurity. And you want to bless others with what you have. So, so how do we fulfill this, this commandment? How does one fulfill such a commandment? Number one is this. We must treasure Christ. We must treasure Christ. Most of us still, because Christ is not our, our true treasure, we're treasuring other things. Matthew 21, um, Matthew 6, 21 says this. It says, where your treasures is, your heart will be also. There's no separation between your, your possessions and your heart. Tony Evans says it this way. He says, there's simply no safer investment here on earth. Moths destroy, thieves steal, stock markets crash, money gets squandered. But when you invest your time, talent, and treasures in the eternal, your investment has divine protection. Your treasure is in Christ. Whenever we die in glory, there'll be treasure stored up for us. Don't treasure things on earth. Matthew 13, um, 44 through 45 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl um, of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. These two men went and sold everything for the one thing, and that was Jesus. The treasure is Jesus. Yeah. I've been in the city for about two years now. And the most thing that people say all the time is that they feel lonely, they have no community, and they, have, they don't have any friends. And as I was looking through this, I was wondering, like, I think some of that is because we have treasured our time in our houses. We treasured this paradise. And what is the scriptures pushing you to open your home or open your, your life? What, what is pushing you towards that? So many of us, again, we're, we're hoping for something to change, but we're not moving by God's spirit into that change. And so I got to move on. I'll exit all day. All right. Number two, living generously. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. You have the riches in Christ. And when Christ is your, your riches, 
since he gave you everything, as we saw inside, inside Philippians, you're free to give your, of your treasures to others. So we live generously because Christ lived generously towards us. And so that means that you can give of your money. You can give of your time. You can open your house. You can open your life for the sake of the kingdom. You can do that. Christ has freed you from living for yourselves and living for him. Living for yourselves is going to lead you to hell. Some of us in the room, you need to grapple with that. Being a Christian doesn't mean just showing up to church, listening to some music, and doing good things. Jesus transformed the Ten Commandments to see that everything belongs to him, including you. He purchased you. He redeemed you so that you can live for him. Some of us are having a hard time with this right now. I um, heard this one guy say, if you have a hard time getting your heart in the right place in this commandment, send your, your money ahead to something. Send your, your money ahead. Number three, work hard. Ephesians 4, 28 says, let the, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing good with his own hands so that, you, so that he may be able to give to those in need. Christ again, he, he redeemed you from, from thievery to generosity. He, he redeemed you from thievery to working hard. So whether you are a stay-at-home mom, a business person, a college student, by God's abundant grace and what we have received in Christ, you are to work hard. So working hard proves that your worth is in Jesus, not in your paycheck, not in what your boss thinks, not in what society thinks. We work hard. Colossians 3.17 says this, says, whatever you do, do to the glory of, glory of the Lord. So here's one practical step for many of us inside the room. On October 12th, we are having a thing called the Gospel and Work Equip Forum. And so we have designed this, this event for, for, for those who are working inside the marketplace. We want to help you to think well about how to be inside the marketplace strategically for the glory of God. Signs are going to be coming soon, but just want to put that out there, that that, that is an easy on-ramp for, for some of us in, in the room. Then lastly, give back what you stole. Inside Luke 19, 8 through 9, you see Zacchaeus coming to Jesus and giving back what he stole. But if you look at the text, he gave back more abundantly than what he took. Let's look at it. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it, check this, fourfold. I don't know what that means, but I know it means a whole lot. <laughs> and then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus was this dirty tax collector. He encountered Jesus. He gave back what he stole. Then he gave back abundantly more than what he took. So, so what does this look like for you? Some of us need to physically give back things we have taken. Physically give back what you have taken. 
Some of us in the room, we talk about stealing is, is defaming someone's name. Some of us need to have a conversation with people that we have defamed their name by other people. First, you need to repent to the Lord, apologize, and make moves in bringing restoration to that person's name. Then lastly, some of us need to start giving and tithing. You want to see God work in your life. Give your money away. You want to see him work. Give your money away. So as I conclude, some of you may feel discouraged um, by the sermon because you realize that you have a lot to consider. But in the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is good news. In Luke 23, 41 through 43, our Savior Jesus was crucified and died his last breath between two thieves. They were robbers and obvious violators of the Eighth Commandment. But one turned to Jesus and said, we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you, today, you will be in paradise. In Jesus' dying breath, he gave that man the promised inheritance that he spent his entire life to find. In one moment, Jesus reoriented a thief on a cross by helping him see that in his thievery, it was God to whom he was looking for. Jesus brought renewal to this man. So my hope that today that you will be renewed by him as well. With that in mind, will you pray for me? Father, uh, we're thankful for your, your commandments because they show us how to love you and they show us how to live. They, they are a testament and example that you did not leave us stranded. But God, you desired us and you want us, but you call us to live holy. So will you help us as we process through all these things that we will live a life of holiness a life of love, a life of joy in you. We're thankful for you, thankful for, for all you've done for us in Christ. We love you, Christ, and we pray. Amen.